Hello and welcome to the In Squash Podcast, episode 240. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson. And wow, uh, a few days ago, what a finish to the return of the Singapore Open. Joelle King and uh, Mohamed El Shabagi backed up their New Zealand victories with a victory each in Singapore. And what an event that was. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to talk about uh, that event, also a recap of the season up until now. A bit of a departure from uh, what I always tend to do here, which is uh, have interviews on the podcast. I think I've only had one where uh, I've actually uh, just had the podcast where it's just me speaking. So that was last year, uh, the year in re- review. Uh, so uh, we're going to do that uh, this time around. I've got a few things on my mind in terms of uh, uh, recapping uh, the way I see the season has played out and the things that intrigue uh, me, the things that I've noticed, uh, uh, things people are sort of talking a little bit about on uh, social, as Rodney Martin pointed out, the keyboard warriors of uh, squash stories there. But, uh, yeah, plenty uh, here to talk about today, not only the Singapore Open, but uh, the season as it's played out up until now, amongst other things. Uh, Before we get into that, though, though, just want to give a shout-out to Open Squash, our sponsor. Uh, If you're looking to uh, learn more about Open Squash, you know that they sponsor Gina Kennedy, Ali Farag, Victor Quinn. Uh, Nathan Lake, amongst other uh, uh, top players in the game. Uh, you can check out the recent episode that I had, I think two episodes back, with uh, Open Squash Director, uh, Executive Director, uh, Cleve Miller, and it's a fantastic episode about growing the game, uh, all about Open Squash, where the uh, the impetus for that came from and how it evolved, uh, how it's evolved. Uh, so take a listen to that uh, to learn more about Open Squash and growing the game. It's a tremendous uh, uh, chat. And also also take a look at their website, which is opensquash.org. So once again, many thanks uh, to Open Squash. Now, 2022 has been an intriguing one up until now, and uh, there are a couple of events remaining. Uh, we have uh, one that's ongoing currently, which is in Malaysia, and then, of course, the iconic Hong Kong Open, which has such a rich history and dates way, way back uh, to the days of uh, Jancher, Jahangir, Rodney Isles, and, and, and the greats uh, way back then. Uh, but just in terms of Singapore, it was great to see uh, Singapore back, Singapore back on, on the, the Pro Tour map. Um, and probably many of you know that Singapore has a tremendously uh, rich uh, squash history. Uh, I guess much uh, of that has to do with their, their British colonial uh, history of over 100 years, 140 years plus, I would imagine. Uh, now, I've had the opportunity to play there a couple of times uh, at the venues like uh, the Tangling Club and the Singapore Cricket Club, uh, fantastic venues, and there are many like that uh, throughout the country. Uh, Peter Hill uh, and Zainal Abedin are the legends uh, of Singapore squash, each having won several uh, national championships. Uh, uh, they're pretty much synonymous with, with the game over there. And, um, yeah, this Singapore Open had it all. I mean, it, it, the very best in the world showed up on the men's side, and only the top three uh, from the women's side were missing. And uh, what a uh, um, both men's and women's draws produced uh, exciting, electrifying squash, a lot of drama on both sides, particularly the men uh, on, uh, on this occasion. Again, uh, uh, I guess you could say unfortunately. But um, heading into the event, I really didn't know what to expect uh, 
from the women's side, uh, which is, uh, I guess, a, a testament to the quality of the game. It's highly uh, unpredictable, very exciting. Um, and personally, uh, I'm not sure that I would have picked Joel to emerge victorious uh, again for, for a second in a row, not because of the talent side. I think she's one of the more talented players uh, with a lot. You know, she has so much potential, so much physical uh, and athletic talent. But uh, it's been a long it's been a while since uh, I've seen her back up uh, a win with another uh, solid win and play that consistently. But she managed to do that. What an impressive performance. Uh, not only that, though, uh, Sabrina Sobe was at it once again. Uh, she proves, uh, just proving to uh, to everyone, and more importantly to herself, that she has uh, a top 10 game uh, when she wants to play that way. Um, just in terms of Noor El Tayeb, um, I was going to take I was going to take her. Well, I did take her to win uh, in in the final against Joel, uh, particularly given it really looked like in that fourth game that uh, Joel was a, a bit fatigued. Uh, Noor, uh, we rarely see her. Uh, get tired uh, unless she's you know she's been playing uh, full out against the, one of the top three that I just uh, me- uh, just mentioned previously Hanya um, nor uh, Noran Gohar or uh, nor El Sherbini but um, no she definitely uh, she proved me wrong and she looked very very strong in that final uh, and she pulled off a, an impressive uh, three love victory over an in-form uh, nor El and take nothing away from Noor. I mean, I think she's going to be in the hunt for the rest of the season. Uh, uh, she's going to have to pick up things physically. I'll mention that a little bit later, uh, but I think she'll be a contender for the rest of, of the season. And I hope that Joelle can continue uh, to build on this form because uh, it just goes to show, you know, beating Norrell Tybe, three love, uh, she has an extreme uh, amount of talent. And if she can manage to play that way consistently, then she could find herself in contention uh, for one of the big uh, titles uh, coming up in the second half of the season. Now, uh, in terms of the men in Singapore, uh, unlike our main man at Squash Stories, Jamie Maddox, I uh, was not completely convinced uh, that the Beast could back up New Zealand with another win, even even after Paul Cole went out early, uh, I guess partly due to uh, maybe an illness that he had and partly due to Yen Yen Yao's um, improved play. I mean, he played extremely well and made it very, very difficult for for uh, for Paul to overcome the illness that he had, and it wasn't uh, meant to be for for Paul on that day. Uh, even after that, though, I thought the the door had opened more so, or for uh, Mustafa Saul and Diego Elias, uh, whoever was going to win that uh, semifinal would probably, I felt, win the event. Uh, unfortunately, uh, because I'm a fan of, of the player, uh, for Mustafa Saul the. The circus uh, continues, and um, he looks so good against Pat Rooney. He looked very, very good against Victor Quam, beating them both uh, three love. Uh, but Diego is a level above both those guys, and we were treated. Uh, it was extremely good squash. It was world, world-class squash up until 7-7 uh, in the first game of the semifinal, and then it just all went pear-shaped. And I hate to say it, but it tends to happen a lot to Mustafa in matches, uh, sort of uh, in those big matches against players that uh, I think uh, he's definitely he definitely should be beating. But things get close, and uh, that's when it goes pear-shaped. 
the keyboard warriors, as Rod Martin likes to uh, to call us uh, on Squash Story, seem to view the uh, the controversy at nine all as an excessive uh, follow through and uh, dodgy movement by us all. That that seemed to be the the general consensus uh, on social media from most of the observers uh, of that match, those that were there and those that watched it uh, on Squash TV. And I even think uh, the Squash TV commentators, Vanessa, uh, particularly Vanessa Atkinson, uh, felt that way as well. Now, I can't, uh, even though I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a fan of uh, Mustafa Saul, I enjoy, uh, for the most part, uh, watching his matches and really... Uh, can see the talent that he has. I can't disagree uh, with what uh, with, with that general consensus. But uh, but having said that, um, the let uh, that was given to Diego at the end of that nine-all rally uh, that had to have been one of the worst calls by an official in terms of applying basics from the rule book that I've ever witnessed. Um, now, of course, in every sport, every referee makes mistakes. And it happens in every game, in every big match. I saw it happened on the in the World Cup just yesterday. Uh, I think I forget who it was, but uh, you know, just an egregious uh, error made by by the referee. That's going to happen. So you can't just uh, point to that one call and say, "Oh, that's why uh, this all happened." No, um, this seems to happen a lot with with Mustafa. Um, now, just in terms of the call, though, we'll we'll go into that for a second here. It, it wasn't a poorly assessed let, you know, it wasn't, you know, where he assessed the, the call wrong or he didn't miss a ball that was up or down. But the, the official allowed Diego uh, to ask for a let after playing through. He played through interference and played uh, subsequent shots and ultimately lost the rally. And it was at that point that Diego asked for a let after he had lost the rally and the referee ultimately uh, gave him uh, a let. Now, I'd say pretty much any club player knows that once you've played a ball uh, and subsequently lost the point that you can't go back and then ask for a let on a shot that was played earlier uh, in that rally. So when it came from uh, what came from the squash stories uh, banter, though, was interesting, um, uh, an interesting uh, afterthought to all of this uh, and discussion to all of this was a discretionary let. Now, that came up for a discussion, and it was sort of uh, introduced, I would say, and endorsed by none other than Squash TV's Paul Johnson. Uh, so he sort of uh, led us to believe that perhaps that's what the official might have done. Maybe it wasn't a, a case of him not knowing the rule, but it, it sort of seemed that way. I mean, if you're not discretionary lets aren't part of the game, so... Um, but the, just the discussion and perhaps something that maybe Squash wants to consider going forward, a discretion, discretionary let. Uh, and uh, Paul Johnson, as I mentioned, sort of introduced, uh, uh, brought that topic to, to the table there uh, as a participating as a keyboard warrior, I may add. Uh, so, but, however, the rules are the rules, though. So I'd say the official uh, in question during that match should he should have had some explaining to do. The PSA should have explained what had happened because it was that sort of egregious of a call. That, that's sort of a, one of those basic rules that uh, you know, you'd need to at least have an explanation for. Maybe just say, oh, I dropped the ball or you know, I missed that one. Uh, apologies, it won't. You know, and then the PSA might, might come out and 
have something to say. Um, you would think, though, and I would hope so, that the official in question would have uh, had some explaining to do uh, to Lee Drew or whomever it is that's in charge of PSA officiating. But the idea of the uh, discretionary let, to me, it's an interesting one. It's a slippery slope. Uh, let's, let's just say, what if, as in uh, this case with Diego, uh, a player does everything he can to play a ball, which Diego did, uh, playing through extreme interference, which, which uh, Diego did, and he ends up losing the point as a result, which uh, Diego did. Now, a ref, uh, hypothetically, uh, with a discretionary uh, let, could then give a let based on what he saw as extreme circumstances. In all likelihood, in the 9-all incident, Assault would have won the point without an excessive swing or the dodgy movement on the tee after he had played his shot. So I guess, uh, are we now at the point where movements which, uh, which create more interference could be seen as contributing to the loss of a point and discretionary lets could potentially be awarded in the aftermath uh, of a point by the official without prompting, without any prompting uh, from a player? So that I guess in I think they do that in in the sport of racquetball. I think uh, racquetball referees can this is being American racquetball, not not British racquetball. Uh, American racquetball, if memory serves, the referee can uh, stop a, a point and an award, an interference, or a hinder. I think they refer to it as hinder in, in the game of racquetball without a prompting from uh, from the player. So. It's food for thought, and that seems to have been uh, that, that might have happened here in this incident at Nine All, and it's been uh, debated at length in the aftermath uh, on social media. So it's an interesting discussion uh, uh, that was born from us uh, keyboard uh, warriors. Now, with respect to what happened to uh, Assal's arm, and, and, and obviously he had to uh, retire from the match in the second game with injury. Um, Nothing has been reported yet in the aftermath. I didn't see anything on any of the, the major uh, squash media websites, nothing on Squash Mad. Usually uh, those guys are first, uh, one of the first to, uh, to put out a press release on that kind of uh, uh, incident in the aftermath of a pro event, but uh, nothing there. Personally, I'd give him uh, the benefit of the doubt, uh, much like Diego seemed to do in his classy uh, post-match speech. It was 9-10 in the first game when it happened, really nothing in it. And uh, you know, I'd say those who are dogmatic uh, in their criticism of us all, they pile on because of the th theatrics, which uh, I thought uh, the theatrics were, were, were way over the top as well. But uh, certainly uh, it's easy for me, uh, I think for easy for anyone to have a tough guy's threshold uh, for someone else's pain. Uh, overall, though, uh, for Mustafa, it was another day at the office that I think he, he'll soon want to forget. Uh, he needs to find a way uh, to get some big wins without any, uh, with any, without any of these uh, incidents. So that means he'll definitely uh, have to battle his demons going forward again, uh, battle through adversity with officials, uh, players who definitely know how to push his buttons. He's going to have to deal with that. Now, in terms of Diego, uh, he was you know, playing some tremendous squash up until when all of this happened. Uh, he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, he was a bit chirpy with the, the officials, but that's the way he is sometimes. Uh, he was playing extremely well, and that 
that forced uh, Mustafa to get a bit carried away when things got really tight. And uh, that's the kind of thing that he needs to uh, to deal with. Him and his team need to uh, look into that and find a way uh, to move forward because he does have the talent. Uh, he should be number one in the world with that talent. So uh, they've got to figure out a way to, to deal with that and fast. Um, now, let's get back to the champion, though, getting back to the beast. How impressive was that? I mean, there are many who have commented that he, he could be uh, playing the best squash of his career right now. Um, I, I'm not prone to hyperbole that way. I, I'd say let's not get carried away. I mean, he played some uh, just unbelievable squash when uh, younger during his younger days when he had his tremendous uh, matches with, uh, with Rami. I wouldn't go this far, but he does look hungry, uh, hungrier than I've seen him in recent memory. He looks strong. He looks fit. And perhaps, I'd say most importantly, given his skill set, he's got his confidence back. Uh, There was a precarious moment there right around when Diego had launched his mini comeback uh, uh, there in the third game. Um, It looked uh, looked to me a little bit anyways that Mohamed uh, looked a little bit gassed. Uh, Had Diego, you know, had he not fallen so far behind him and uh, had he picked up that third game, we might be talking a different story right now. Uh, Mohammed, though, uh, you know, give him credit, he was strong enough to uh, weather the storm. And uh, that is the difference between, uh, between now and the past few seasons leading up to this season. Also, I'd say uh, definitely we need to uh, speak to the impact of the French general. Uh, Gaultier, Gregor Gaultier's enthusiasm for the game, his character, uh, uh, it's really, I, I would say it's infectious. I've had him on the podcast and it's just, you know, you, you, you get excited talking about squash uh, after talking to him, after looking at him. I mean, uh, don't you, uh, I, I, re- I remember just after a few of those episodes with him, I just wanted to get back out there on court and start, uh, start training, start playing, whatever. Uh, uh, his uh, passion for the game is, is infectious, and I think probably uh, Gregory's uh, playing playing vicariously through Mohammed. Uh, that is clearly, to me, anyways, uh, it's had a tremendous impact on the beast. Uh, he looks the part again, and Galtier's, uh I'd say Galtier's presence has a great deal uh, to do with that. Do with that. Um, now, the strategic, technical, on-court skill side of things Gaultier would bring to the table uh, certainly are there. But I would say Mohammed's resurgence uh, to the very top of the game is more about Gaultier's infectious uh, passion for the game. And you can just see how hungry uh, Mohammed is uh, right now. So, again, congratulations to Mohammed. Congratulations to Joel. And uh, what a great event. Great to have Singapore back on the calendar. Now... Just in terms of the season till now, overall, uh, it's been exceptional. Uh, one of the best uh, in recent memory. Uh, I'd say the women have really brought it. Uh, Gohar hasn't missed a beat, and Hamami and Sherbini are right there with her, and there's never a foregone conclusion as to who's going to win. Uh, you've got Nor Al-Tayeb, who continues to impress. Uh, I think uh, where's, what she's missing, though, is something a bit more physical in order to, to match up uh, with the big three. Uh, Amanda Sobey has been impressive this season. She's made huge strides again. She seems to do that every season. She seems to be able to keep up with with the best in the world. Uh, Her court coverage is much improved, and her consistency in terms of uh, 
playing her best squash when it matters. That seems to improve. Uh, but she's going to need to improve on both of those sides just a, a little bit more, just in terms of her overall movement and in terms of her consistency when it matters most. She needs to be able to uh, play at that high level more consistently, not just uh, match after match, but uh, it just seems to me that sometimes she gets uh, stuck into a game and she looks tremendous, but uh, in order to win those matches against the, the top, top players in the game, that has to be done throughout the match. So we'll see. Uh, I'm, I think Amanda's the type of player who will rise to the occasion or could rise to the occasion, so that really uh, is... is an exciting prospect uh, going forward in in the men's game. And also, uh, Joelle King, uh, just in terms of her, she's uh, physically gifted, athletically gifted. She seems to have all the shots. uh, But again, uh, maybe a little bit like Amanda, she lacks a bit of big match uh, consistency. So maybe these two wins, uh, New Zealand and uh, Singapore, maybe that bodes well for her and will give her the confidence. Obviously, uh, neither um, of the top three, uh, none of the top three, I should say, uh, played in in New Zealand or in um, Singapore. So that's yet, that's another hurdle for her. But I think just the fact that she was able to especially in Singapore, wins so convincingly that might give her that confidence, that big, uh, that confidence to win uh, some big matches against one of the big, uh, or all of the, the big three going forward. Uh, now, also just in the women's game, here's hoping um, Gina Kennedy can use uh, the rest of the year to recover because uh, wasn't she, she was one of the, the great stories from, from last season. She came from uh, the college ranks, uh, a very good college uh, uh, squash career and had won several uh, challenge series events then came to the PSA tour in her first year and just found herself uh, almost in contention uh, not uh, a lot like Amanda a lot like uh, um, you know, a lot of the girls, S.J. Perry, Tessney Evans, that level, she brought herself from the bottom all the way to the top. And uh, this season hasn't been uh, very kind to, to Gina, battling with, with several injuries. So I think she packed it in for the rest of the year, which is a, a good thing. And hopefully uh, she can recover and uh, come back uh, uh, stronger than ever in 2023. Now, in the men, the men uh, is equally... Uh, if not more interesting right now. Last season, I would have said uh, the opposite, but uh, right now the men's game seems to be quite a bit more interesting. Uh, It's been quite a while now. It's been a few years anyway since we've had one player hold on to the number one spot in the ranking for a relatively uh, long period of time. Uh, There's a bit more musical chairs going on uh, at the moment. And it seems uh, to me, anyways, that it will, it's going to remain that way uh, for the next little while. Now, the intrigue now is really, in, in my opinion, uh, uh, well, obviously, will the Beast regain the number one spot? Okay. Um, you know, that's what I, I would say that's probably the goal that he has. That's his primary goal. It's got to be, right? Because he's won everything. But to get back to number one, that would be such a such an accomplishment. We saw JP, uh, Jonathan Power, do that at the end of his career. He got back he, he got back to the number one spot, and then I think he pretty much retired right after doing so. Not saying that Mohammed will do that, but just to uh, sort of get back to number one spot, and he's certainly trending uh, in that direction.
And my thoughts on Paul Cole are this. Obviously, it uh, goes without saying, he needs to get fully fit again um, so far this season. There have been a few uh, banana skins that, that should have never happened. Uh, mostly, I would say, uh, because he wasn't fully fit. He was either injured or like he like what happened in the last event, he picked up a virus of some sort. Um, also, you got to wonder... I mean, I'm sure he's very hungry, but how hungry is he? Uh, He did the unthinkable. He reached number one. Once he got there, uh, sort of, uh, did did that take the wind out of his sails, having reached uh, number one? Is that what he wanted to do? And then he sort of, maybe he's taking his foot off the gas. I don't see that. Uh, I mean, he seems like a guy, he's always, you know, the fittest guy, the the strongest guy uh, out there. Uh, So with that physicality and also with the, you know, with Rob Owen uh, consistently improving um, uh, Paul's skill set, uh, he could easily, he should, I would say he should easily be one of those number ones uh, who holds on to the spot for an extended period. Um, so let's see uh, how that plays out for Paul. And, uh, you know, if he, you know, continues to work hard on on uh, the variety that he has in his game, we might see that happen as long as he's fit. And healthy. Hopefully, he recovers uh, uh, going into uh, 2023. Now, I think before the season began, many people felt that uh, Mustafa Saul would uh, emerge as the number one player in the world. But again, you know, he he's just been struggling to overcome those on-court demons. Uh, as I said earlier, he needs to win without controversy somehow, and there's absolutely uh, no reason why he can't do that. He's got so much talent. He's got so much skill, physical talent. So it's up to it's up to his team and it's up to him to figure this out. And it's a shame. It's a real shame that they haven't uh, done so already. I mean, um, uh, again, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of Mustafa, and I hate to see things that like what happened in Singapore, like what happened uh, in the Lucas Serum incident, several incidents from last year. Um, it's you know he's got to overcome those demons and then we'll see the best from him and uh, he won't have all this uh, uh, people slating him online and saying he's a cheat and all this crap Uh, I don't you know I don't buy that but he definitely has to uh, overcome those demons and it's up to him and his team to figure it out uh, going forward so let's hope that that happens Um, now in terms of Ali Farag Ali's injury is worrisome. I don't know how serious it is. Uh, and again, we haven't heard much in terms of a status report. Uh, at least I haven't seen one um, from any of the websites. Maybe there's one out there and I missed it. Uh, but for a second there, uh, it looked like he might have found uh, his way uh, to stay on top, uh, the road to staying on top for quite a bit. It looked like uh, he was going to be the most consistent player. He did, and he still is, uh, the number one player in the world. So he may just depending on how severe the injury is, he may even uh, continue on as the world number number one going into 2022, going into 2023. Uh, but more importantly, let's just hope that he heals up and he's ready to hit the courts fully uh, in the new year, uh, if not sooner. Just some other players I wanted to uh, bring up on the men's side. Uh, Mohamed Abulgar and Yusuf Ibrahim, they were two noteworthy performers uh, from last season and two noteworthy absences from this season. Um, 
I think Mohamed Abelgarza injury issue and his surgery was well documented. But uh, Yusuf Ibrahim, uh, of, uh, he's injured and he hasn't uh, played at all. I think he might have played in the first event, uh, first couple of events, but he uh, picked up an injury somewhere along the way. Both these guys were really impressive last season. Uh, Mohamed uh, maybe didn't live up to uh, expectations. He, he has... Uh, a lot of talent and he he put himself in really good spots in matches where he just came up uh, a little bit short but in terms of uh, Yusuf uh, usually what we see from um, from U.S. collegiate players is that they really hit the ground running once they they finish their studies uh, at least the best ones do and uh, when they start uh, the tour full-time we saw this from the likes of Ali Farag, Gina Kennedy and uh, uh, this year, uh, Victor Coin, uh, Yusuf last season, uh, I mean, he made a tremendous impression on me. I love watching him play. Um, and he had some great wins and displayed just an amazing uh, talent with the rackets, just incredible shot making. And uh, he's just one of the fastest, quickest, <clears throat> one of the quickest guys out there. And I really hope that he can find his way back and stay healthy because uh, we need a guy like that on the tour. Uh, we've got some others as well, other players to watch, obviously. Uh, the, Abdullah Al-Tamimi, he's had a pretty good season till now. Pa- Patrick Rooney, he's on the rise. And uh, Victor Quint, who's already gotten, uh, I believe, into uh, the top 10, and he's taken that next step. Uh, and now will he be able to take uh, another step into you know, winning a few of those big matches against the big name? Players, he did it uh, earlier in the season, obviously, in Qatar, a great performance there, losing out to uh, Mohamed El-Sherbagi in the final. And then, of course, uh, winning in Nantes. So he's got it in him. He showed that he's ready to to take the next step. So it bodes well, not only uh, with uh, Victor moving up, but uh, the players that I mentioned uh, there earlier. So, uh, yep, that is... uh, the recap here uh, on the In Squash podcast and just want to say uh, to everyone thank you so much for listening we've got some uh, episodes upcoming uh, over the next couple of days we're going to have Johnny Williams on to talk about uh, maybe give his recap of the season till now that'll be exciting and like to get his take on the discretionary let uh, see see how he feels about that, that again that came uh, from the 9-all uh, Saul Diego uh, Elias match, 9-all in the first, came from that discussion as to uh, you know the official's decision there. And we've got a few more surprises in, in the hopper. I don't want to reveal uh, at this point because uh, you know things haven't uh, I've firmed everything up. But uh, lots to look forward to uh, towards the end of the year here on the podcast and then going forward. So again, I appreciate all of you. Many thanks for listening and all the very best with your squash. Goodbye now.